0: Go. All right. Hello. Welcome to our fourth episode, I think. Yeah. Episode of uh, Empathic Futures Lab Fireside Chats, uh, which is the show about designing human-focused futures for the environments that we live in. Uh, as always, well, almost always this, yes, probably. Uh, I'm Christian.
1: You are almost always Christian. <laughs> uh, I'm Chris.
0: All right, um, and today's episode is going to be a bit of a follow-up and uh, probably a rabbit hole, uh, discussing uh, artificial intelligence, how it relates to us and our environments. Follow-up to last week, I should Yeah, say. just kind of a follow-up to last week's episode in which we talked about customization and standardization, I think, uh, and what it means to uh, define mass customization for each person. <clears throat> So, uh, we did some reading a couple weeks ago. There's a really awesome article, uh, put out in the New York times. Uh, what was it called? Can AI be taught to explain itself? Um, which was pretty long, but it was filled with lots of really interesting stuff. Uh, and sort of what it focused on was, uh, just someone trying to figure out how an artificial intelligence made the decisions it did. Um, and how we can make that uh, comprehensible for people. Uh, how, how can we understand the nuances that an AI understands something like a visual recognition or, um, you know, some other sort of machine learning algorithm, I guess, that uh, we wouldn't necessarily pick up pick up on because, we, you know, we can't comprehend such large data sets and find the nuances in them necessarily. And so we read that. And I thought there was a lot of interesting things said there, but we did come across a couple of questions. Um, let me see, what have I got here? So one of the things that we kind of wanted to think about here was if we ask an AI to explain itself, if we if we call for artificial intelligence to. Um, be us on uh, a level, uh, does that mean that we as a society also have to be 100% transparent? Um, and so then that leads into thoughts about um, if we're being transparent about our decisions, uh, also have to be transparent about identity and how we approach that. And so that sort of ties it full circle uh, to this idea of mass customization. Um, if everything like the AI and everything knows everything about you, how do you go about manipulating your identity at all? Um, do you have anything to add to that? It's sort of
1: a long introduction. Yeah, um, a little bit. I, I think, it, as we explored last week, uh, in terms of, you know, as, as we go into the future, as we think about uh, things as more of a mass personalization as opposed to finding the ideals of one-size-fits-all for a certain person, and that certain person is everyone. Um, how do, yeah? If it's, if it's incredibly linked to identity and who we are, then we're going to, on one hand, ask the AI to manipulate the environment for us real-time as sort of like a manual control, but also, to a certain extent, it'll be automatic control. Um, so yeah I, I, what you brought up in terms of like how do we how do we flush out our identity how do we sort of make these decisions based on identity um, or at least how do we make these decisions for someone else based on identity as we see it everywhere with like Amazon ads in term, or uh, Google pop-up ads like based on your past search history uh, yeah if we're doing that for everyone how do you, how do you make a change how do you how do you decide that you are this person forever and always and that your current present, I mean, to a certain extent, is always who you have been in the past, but what if who you have been in the past changes who you want to be now? Or how do what if your decision-making has led you down a different path? Yeah, how do you not get pigeonholed? Yeah, <laughs> how <laughs> do you not get pigeonholed? Into a
0: caricature of yourself.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't. I mean, <laughs> this is probably a question that we don't necessarily have an answer to. It's kind of out of the realm of design to a certain extent, but it, it, it probably will have a lot to do with how spaces are designed in the future, or at least if we have our if if how we think about it goes the way, or if it goes the way we think about it now, or right. Right. Um, right. Yeah, because. Uh, say I'm, I, as a teenager, I'm all about really dark spaces. And then as an adult with kids, I'm all about really light spaces. Like what happens? How do we, I think that brings up this really interesting point about. Oh, right. Sorry. Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I caught my attention that you're like, uh, you hit hit a brainwave there for me. And that, um, I think I'm starting to get what you're saying. So let's, like you said, if there's a teenager who really enjoys dark environments and then sort of the AI learns that, but we don't know how it picked up on that, what what it actually understands. It just understands that you enjoy a particular light level, but does it understand that that is completely relative to you? Does it understand it through your sort of... Uh, perspective and then if you go to try to change that down the road uh, how does that respond
1: right are you going to have to like turn up the lights to a higher brightness to compensate for the past darker bright darker levels of light and then kind of hope the machine learns that and meets you in the middle somewhere Eventually. but it's, <laughs> it just follows this really obnoxious curve along the way right
0: because it doesn't understand cause maybe it doesn't understand it the same way that we would Right, but well, maybe it should.
1: Right. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if it can. Yeah, I, I, I guess that kind of comes down to how much of our home, future home life, and future work life is automated versus how much of it is uh, available to have manual overrides, right? Uh, right, and, and that was if, that
0: was the big question that we posed last week, right? Yeah,
1: how yeah. How much of it should have manual overrides? Yeah. So if if we can understand the way. That an artificial intelligence thinks, which this article basically says, we have to be able to do this. Otherwise, we're never gonna, never gonna have reins on this. Yeah, like,
0: it's just gonna be chaos unless we can qualify um, what what these things are actually responding to, and then giving inputs for it. Yeah,
1: um, but I think maybe more. I I think that's such a fascinating discussion, uh, but I'm. I'm Hesitant to go down that rabbit hole because I don't know if we really know. We don't, we we don't have know an answer about
0: it, it. we could just sort of pause it at a
1: conceptual level. That's about <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> but even so, it'd be more come down to like, oh, we should do this or we shouldn't do that. Um, um, but I think yeah. one thing that we can talk about is um, where do you need these areas of control in your life? Like, perhaps at home, you would want more ability for manual override except for certain things that you deem like health-related or safety-related, in which case maybe the machines are more in charge of that, keeping you in track, because maybe you realize you don't have the self-control to, you know, stop eating Oreos or or make sure that your light rhythm is in, like, you know, the circadian rhythm, right, or, or things of that nature. Uh, but maybe, maybe it gets more interesting at work or at the store where these sort of, Uh, algorithms that define the environment you live in are more controlled by corporations or companies and in which case how much are they gonna put do they put forth like your best interests in mind or do they try and keep that brand oriented? I think that's an interesting question
0: well I think in the case of like a story, you have to follow the money so Oreo is gonna put their best interest in mind Target's going to put their best interest in mind in terms of the shopping guards, um, you know, and whatever signs you see it around. Right. Um, and so on and so
1: forth, right? Right. And, so what if you're an alcoholic and all of a sudden you're getting all these bombarded with advertisements for the beer section, even though you're trying to not be drinking anymore? Or
0: <laughs> Well, would, would your you know personal automated assistant or whatever be able to filter I guess
1: I would hope so I would hope so or like if you're you know
0: but it's, it's if you follow them yeah, you know, if we once again follow the money you might just end up relapsing
1: right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that, that that that'd be the concern um, it just
0: uh, it just exasperates an already existing
1: problem in that
0: case. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. If we're, if we're talking about advertisements, it it only becomes more powerful.
1: Gosh, that's kind of scary. what yeah. um, even or even like work or working, um, like in a uh, in a work environment, like where where do you need more control, or where do you need where do you where does your company just say, hey, we're taking this over. We want you to all have. I don't know this sort of work environment because that's that's sort of how we've branded it, and and maybe you really enjoy the company, but they want your uh, different type of worker. I don't know. Uh,
0: That kind of comes maybe maybe that's just about them doing a better job screening, right? Yeah, but and so and so that if it's transparent, they have all this information in front of them about you already.
1: Yeah, but it's also a balance kind of thing, right? Just like how much do they want to. Take control versus how much they want to give their employees control of how they work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's been so much of this like open office, sort of. Uh, and it's yeah, it's we're, been forced on everyone. Right. So if even if you don't want an environment in which you can
0: see your entire, uh, uh, you know, cohort of coworkers. Right. Uh, you, you do have the option in some places just throw on some nice noise canceling headphones and get the job done. Right. right. <laughs> because that's often necessary. But I mean, maybe like you said, that's not conducive for whatever reason to whatever statistics that your company brings up to allow you to do that in the first place. So that interferes on your uh understanding of your spatial identity i guess
1: yeah yeah so like if you're like how would we, yeah so if you're you're a company designing for that you'd have to on one hand maybe have controls in your algorithms for figuring out how to impose your brand on workers right you'd have your identity you want your products to reflect who you are but you also don't want to take away their individuality it's a balance. It's like extreme indoctrination. Extreme, <laughs> extreme, extreme indoctrination. We want everyone to be the same, versus the exact opposite. Everyone works from home and does whatever the fuck they want. For yeah, sorry, shouldn't have said that. Huh. Maybe we can catch <laughs> that. <laughs> we'll have to bleep that out later. Probably not. That's too important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I, but that that gets kind of difficult. Uh, if, if we don't even know what we're what we're looking for in terms of AI and and whatnot,
0: it's all pretty fascinating, though.
1: Yeah. All right. So where else are we going? With this conversation. Where
0: else are we going? Um,
1: <laughs> uh, this is like the first time we've kind of like haven't talked ourselves into something really exciting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Um, so let's see. Is there anything in this article that's worth bringing up?
1: What was I? No, let's, let's abandon
0: the article. Um, let's talk. I, I wanted to talk a bit about um, this weird logic path that I followed, which was if we we're requiring AI to ex- completely explain itself, um, does that mean that we have to present the same? We have to present. Uh, explanations for our identity and decisions, just the same way that an artificial intelligence would.
1: Okay, uh, can go into depth a little more about that. Well, how did how did you arrive at this? How did where where did this come from?
0: Well, I mean, it was just a thought. So, um, if we if we go through and say that, in order to understand, if we're going to be so sincere, I guess about understanding how machine learning algorithm makes decisions and what makes it tick. Should we also, shouldn't we also be that, uh, rigorous in, you know, driving our own decision, driving our own decisions. Yeah. And if it's going to control everything, then we have to understand even better, given our, uh, ability to just prescribe preferences for ourselves. We have to understand even better, um, who
1: we are right. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Um or at least be ready to be ready to accept who we are and right. to a certain degree, right? So what they uh that one thing that was brought up was using AI to figure out AI to figure out um, sexual preference. Right. Uh and they're talking about like like what is is it small physical cues that give it away? Like how does it do it? And it, it must be small physical cues. How else would they get that correct over and over again based on a picture um so like are we as a society willing to accept that there are small physical cues that give it away and if it is small physical cues are we willing to accept that it's genetic to a certain extent whether or your sexual preferences or or whatever other conclusions that ai draws from these like minute details that we would never understand ourselves like correct there's yeah. something that, to a certain extent it's Maybe they're making false correlations like they were in, what, what was that other study? Uh, something with asthma and uh, ER trips. Um, yeah, so maybe they're like, maybe it's false correlations or, or sort of poor data, but sometimes it's probably like correct correlations that we just have to be willing to say, hey, right. we." it's kind of taboo to go into this stuff, but that might actually be true. And then mm. we have to kind of be ready for that. And what that means
0: right and so in my mind I see that what that first one that you're describing really as an intro into this idea of a transparent society is if it if we can pers- if we can describe something like that using artificial intelligence and understand how it understands that then that's a direct correlation that we have to be willing to accept that everything's on the line now um and I also started thinking about this as well, in term, economically, I guess. Um, you know, would capitalism work under a transparent society in which everything is open? You can't, there's no competitive edge, right? Um, I don't know. This, this is just sort of a rabbit hole that I, I took myself down. Um, and, you know, in terms of design, Having to explain yourself, uh, having to explain every decision that you make, it pretty much just releases any idea of the architect as this, uh, as the designer, as a sort of sole person that has an idea of what a space should be um, based on some some secret thing that you know they figured out just themselves but if you have to explain where all that comes from then that means that anyone else could do the same thing.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, that, that sort of did, would take some of the mystery out of it, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, are we gonna go around and open up unravel every black box that's out there? Right. right. Yeah, I, guess I, mean, I see what you're saying there.
0: Uh,
1: well, I, mean, I think that comes down to... I don't know how much it's society needs to be more transparent as much as it's, society needs to be ready for when AI makes them more transparent.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with the second there.
1: Um, I don't
0: I don't think that necessarily need to be more transparent. I think we're already leading that way anyway. But.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. So the, I mean that kind of goes into that that article i read this weekend on uh, eye tracking software and architecture or eye tracking software in spaces. Uh, I can link to that in the show notes as well as the AI article. Yeah, yeah. Um, Be good. so everyone, one. yeah, so everyone has it. But it was, so it was talking. It was talking about how so they use this in advertising, right? That uh, eye tracking software. So basically, it tracks where your eyes go. Samsung does it to like you know, or supposedly does it on the phones to so when you look away, your screen turns off or pauses the video, whatever. Um, but basically, two researchers, I think, two women. I think we're two women, I don't know, two researchers were like, well, why don't we just apply that to pictures of space? Uh, so that's what they did. And basically they had people sit through and look at a bunch of pictures and tracked their rapid eye movements across the pictures. And I mean, some of this stuff is incredibly intuitive stuff that you just kind of lose track of when you're a designer, right? Like people are attracted to people. Um, yeah. The first yep. thing that they looked for in these pictures was people. Like, always. Always looking at people, they would ignore the background and look at people. And uh, maybe that's why there's no people in architectural pictures because you know you don't want people looking at people. You'd rather them look at your spaces. But,
0: but uh, I disagree with of, that kind of I think if you have, I think if you have just, when I interrupt you really quick, I think if you have people in in your architectural photographs, I think that people looking at them are able to.
1: Empathize mm-hmm. with those that are in them. Anyway, oh, continue. oh yeah, I don't disagree. I, I, am wholeheartedly on the. We should have people in our architectural photos, um, bad and Definitely should have people in our pictures, uh, right? People designers love like you know composition and, you know, I don't know composition and people like people. Uh, okay. Why can't we both like people? Put composition slightly on the back burner. Um, but anyway, anyway, off that tangent. Uh, yeah, people like people, and then people also like visual interest to a certain extent. Not that they like looking at pretty things as much as apparently one of the conclusions was that when you don't have, when you have a blank wall or a big massive wall without much hierarchy or without anything on it, like even if it's just like reveal, like if it's expansion joints or whatever, architects love to kind of play with to make their walls look quote-unquote nice. Like, if there's nowhere to look at, and I don't know if expansion joints count as that, then people get anxious because they don't know where to stare. They don't know where to go. It's just kind of like, what am I doing here? Where do I right. Whoa, right? So you kind of get anxious and you're just kind of like pacing around And versus if you're next to a mural or a tree or something, all of a sudden you're like, well, I know where to go. If I'm trying to meet someone, I say, hey, go to this tree, go to this person in the mural, Right, you, all of a sudden, there's something in your life that you can kind of relate to. So that was interesting too. Um, trying to think of what other conclusions were made. Those are the two that really stuck with me, though. Um, and and they've actually come up in my professional professional projects in the last couple days because we're designing a quasi plaza courtyard space. And one of the questions is like, how do we program this? I'm like, well. Maybe we just put something kind of nice. Who cares about the composition? Let's put something that looks visually nice somewhere. <laughs> just to give someone something to relate to. right? Uh, yeah. And then we can compose it later. Whatever. Uh, yeah. That was that. I, I think that's something that'll be... The point is, I think that's something that'll show up more in our lives, hopefully our design lives in terms of maybe replacing some of these rules of thumbs or these design ideas or perhaps better design myths that exist as to what's comfortable and what's not and what's the right way to go about something and what's not and kind of replace it with like what are people actually attracted to and who knows maybe we'll surprise ourselves as to what people are actually attracted to and what people actually want to stand next to or occupy
0: yeah. Was, um, what were they using to do this?
1: I think they were playing photo, putting photos on computer screens, and they had an eye tracking software and camera on on above the computer screens, like a webcam kind of deal.
0: Okay.
1: I, I don't know too much more about it. There's one more article there that I've been putting off reading. Uh, I've read two of them, so maybe I'll link to both of those in the show notes. Sounds good. Yeah.
0: I was thinking um, about this preferences thing again, and I know we talked before about like a content curator for your life or whatever. Yeah. Sort of like a life coach, except someone except they curate your experiences, basically. Um, Yeah. I I was thinking about that in terms of preferences just now. Okay. Talked about all these sort of ideas in terms of standards. Uh, I was thinking about how these these people can maybe, maybe you can have a, a session or it's a subscription service or whatever, where you work with someone who understands uh, how the algorithm thinks. But they also are able to empathize with you and tease out uh, the parameters that you need to be augmented in order to um, build your places the way that they should be built. So, I mean, that changes, like we said, based on um, whether you're at home, which you probably want things that are very much tied to memory. Um, While you're at work, you know, you want things that are going to help you be efficient. Um, And maybe while you're walking around outside or something, or uh, going to a park, you want things that are going to be more novel, that that are more challenging to you. Uh-huh. Uh, and these people could maybe help design those things for you it's mm-hmm. not a typical architectural designer I don't think, it'd be something different I think you need to um, move we in. talked about this a little bit before but it was just a little bit different spin on it I think
1: uh-huh. Uh huh. No, I think that's a good idea I, I'm all about that idea um, I don't know how that could implement it, but implemented yeah. it might be interesting to see what kind of things they pick up on in their life right as as a as a human looking at your life and sort of empathizing with you and then b maybe they have like an ai helping them out who sees all the little things that the person can't see and
0: all right so let's what, what might be 1b what what would be possible um, let's what would be a good place to think about let's say a park okay yes um so like you said People. You pointed out the instance of people being drawn to people. So obviously, we know that a park being more social um, would be preferred, I guess, but not necessarily by everyone. So maybe, maybe you're a person that's more of a recluse, and an AI would think that you just maybe you just want to be surrounded by people. But reality is, maybe you just really enjoy. Out with birds. <laughs> you're that one person that just feeds
1: birds. Your AI would learn eventually that you like to just be with birds and, and, and hang out with nature, right? Unless you're just crazy and just doing it. No, your AI would I pick up on your intentions pretty quickly, I think, if, you, if that's all you did. I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. It picks up on patterns. If that's your pattern, that's your pattern. Yeah. It would probably not figure you out if every, like, random day you decide to go hang out with people and it was relatively often it's it was like, well, what the heck is going on? This well, yeah, I mean, that's, a no I guess pattern. That's the
0: question. It's like when you break the pattern.
1: Right. Well, I think that's, I
0: mean, I mean, that's what we started with.
1: Right. Well, no, I think, so, okay, so this is a good idea or, or an interesting idea in terms of, like, pairing AI with person, right? So does your, and, and this kind of goes back to explaining AI too, but I'll get there, um, So suppose that you have this AI and this person and and they're kind of curating your life for you at least to a certain extent and saying, well, this is a good park for you to go to because it has no people. You can go watch birds all day, go fishing, whatever kind of uh, peaceful activity you choose to partake in. You can do that here and enjoy it for hours, right? Right. Um, But occasionally, you know, you're... Your, your AI is probably to be like, well, yeah, let's just do this all the time. Do you love it? It's your preference. You're, you're just going to do this over and over again, right? But your person's just like, well, hey, every so often, let's challenge that. Let's bring you to some place to say, hey, let's go interact with people. Let's go have a good time. Even if you don't enjoy it as much, at least it's a new opportunity or something that will challenge your thinking so that you enjoy your other stuff more or it doesn't get boring or it doesn't get monotonous. Right, so it's, uh, it's something you had brought up in the past about, like, constantly, like, is there some sort of service that always disagrees with you? Well, maybe that's your human side of AI. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right, they'll, I, they'll, I like that. they'll they'll, be like, hey, let's, uh, why don't we change it up today? Right, you've done this, like, five days in a row. Let's yeah, do something different. That's um, a really good point, because
0: let's say, like, an AI can understand, like, an AI can understand something, and why it keeps you in that pattern, but does it understand what the opposite of that pattern is? If the opposite isn't necessarily the opposite numerically, right. of that pattern,
1: right? Yes. We're like, why would it be beneficial to change that, or what situations would it be beneficial to change to knock out that pattern? Yeah, yeah. But then, and then that comes back to like explaining AI, right? So yeah. if you're your machine learning algorithm thinks of things one way or picks up the patterns one way and and then all of a sudden your person comes in and they're like, well, why is this thing spinning out these results all the time or like, how do I understand this? How can I, as a person, knock this guy out of his comfort zone occasionally and either A, not screw up his AI output or B, how can I coach this person to change their data sets quickly in certain areas? Like, and is then it,
0: can you place greater weight on the change from the pattern right. so that it doesn't have to train the AI as hard to do? It. Right.
1: Like say 90% of your preferences remain the same, but there's one aspect in your life that you really want to change. Do you have an algorithm coach who is like your life coach of the future who's like, hey, let's do these certain things and you will train your machine learning algorithm who is like kind of curating your life for you to change just these preferences that you want to change but leave the rest alone. Yeah. Right? That's so
0: weird. That's <laughs> so weird. I like that thought though.
1: That's super weird. Uh,
0: yeah. What, wow. What are we at in time?
1: Uh, 30 minutes.
0: That's it? Yeah. Oh man. I feel like that's a good place to end it, honestly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, we finally had an interesting thought.
0: No, yeah.
1: I, I think it's a thought we can keep going on because... Okay. Well. No, I've kind of lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, I, I like this idea of like marrying AI and humans. Um, well, I really liked what you suggested with this person.
0: Yeah. That yeah. It is the person that understands how the intelligence works. So yeah. They have to be super smart and like always.
1: <laughs> well, no, I, they,
0: they have to they... understand how the intelligence works and also be able to. Um, understand people really well.
1: So oh, like I think machine sociologists or something. <laughs> sort of. it, it, it's more. I guess machine sociologists. But it's like you I think the key to that job would you have to really understand people and the lives of people and then you can get readouts from your machine learning algorithm or maybe you have like maybe you're the front end person, you have a back end engineer kinda of like helping you with like the code portion of that and you're like working back and forth between that. Like I'm thinking of it as like an office manager, right? Like uh, jobs, you don't. I mean, you still have like maybe the secretary up front, but like you know, a lot of places have like an office manager who hosts parties, kind of curates a culture for the work environment or the studio or whatever kind of group you're in. Right. Like, is it right. sort culture. of the, more, the culture yeah. person, right? So is it like is it like that for like more of an individual level? like your kind of person who like understands people and, and they don't even have to be just for you. Maybe they are so good that's with just people. just their job.
0: They do it for a ton of people.
1: Their, their job is to understand people and then talk to the person who understands computers and kind of relate that back and forth. Mm-hmm. Just like solved unemployment in the future right there. <laughs> Supposing that there's enough people in the future who know people to make that work.
0: I mean, that's that's our whole proposition with this, with all of Right? Yeah. Is that, you know, the jobs of the future will just be surrounded by people understanding other people. Right. Right. It's, I think, you know, like you said, I think it's perfectly reasonable to assume that because this is another tangent that we found where it sort of ends in that result.
1: (laughs) Right. People helping people.
0: So, tag teams of two that. You can you can have these little cool design. I mean, it's just going to be the design office of the future, right? It's like,
1: kind can, of, yeah. What can uh, what's, what's the, what can what do for you? What's the blank? What can blank do for you? Oh yeah, so what can Brown?
0: Brown, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's that's not, what it is. It's like, What
0: can we do for you? And what can it's it's not something. It's not an architectural problem
1: it's an environment problem it's a it's curating your environment
0: no, no no, i mean it's not it's it doesn't have the problem of architecture and that i mean not necessarily in that you have to be concerned about the construction like the length and the time delays and everything you yeah. have this you have this capacity for immediate impact which is enticing
1: yeah <laughs> it's, it's <interesting. laughs> no it's, so, it's super enticing that it's kind of one of the Really big pitfalls of architecture. Just this freaking sloth that moves so slow.
0: Right. It doesn't respond, and that's this is a direct <laughs> response to its inability to respond.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah.
0: And all right. I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think I so. mean, the thing is you just have to be willing to give up the information. Like you have to be willing to accept that a certain degree of transparency, right,
1: that this person's going to understand my identity and be able to work with it. Yeah, that's true. You have to be willing to kind of give yourself up to this. You have to be willing to say, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's private parts of your life that you could keep private, but at the same time, this person, yeah, they're going to be fairly probably intimately aware of what you do.
0: Could, that could that could lead to some problems having people so connected.
1: <laughs> well, it's a trust. It's a trust thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, beyond trust, like if you think about, I guess just relationships and how you manage business versus personal life. There's there's really no distinction at that point.
1: Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. I, and it's not like we're already not having issues with. Managing that, right? Taking work home and whatnot. No.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't think it can be avoided. Honestly, it's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At this point, well, it's Okay.
0: Do we have anything else? Do I...
1: No, I think we can wrap oh. this up if we want to.
0: Okay. Um, I don't have, I mean, we've sort of gone above and beyond this, the notes that I took to talk about, which yeah. wasn't very much.
1: <laughs>
0: I think that yeah. was a pretty good. Quick discussion. We we got rolling faster than last time, so that's good.
1: Well, once we got rolling, we got rolling. Yeah. Um, after that, hopefully, people made it past that awkward like twenty seconds, and are like, "Well, what do we talk about next?" <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yeah, hey, it got good. Um, yep. All right, so takeaways. You got a big takeaway here.
0: Any takeaways? Well, my takeaway is Chris managed to solve uh, unemployment.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Solving unemployment Um,
0: in the future. No, so, I mean, yeah, kind of. (laughs) That's sort of the thing is that if we, having something, being able to explain things to us and understanding that, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, Especially in how we manipulate that information in the future for ourselves. Yeah. uh, In terms of
1: our spaces. Right. right. No, I think that's that's kind of where I was going, too, is the takeaway being uh, the biggest perhaps benefit of explainable AI is this sort of worker relationship between the person and the machine or the person and the person who understands the machine. Whatever. Maybe there needs to be that middleman. Maybe someone's so good that they don't need that middleman. But um, that, that, I, I really like this idea of um, the machine recognizing patterns and the human sort of breaking the rules, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's what we're good at. Yeah, I
1: mean, humans are good at recognizing patterns, but pattern. But yeah, I think you recognize when something is out of pa- out of sync more easily than when it's in sync. It's when something's out of place that you're like, right?
0: right? And that's like, the reason why we have so many Yelp reviews that are negative.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because no one. All right. All right. I think that's good. Yep. Good stuff. Good wrap up. Good chat. Right. Right. I, This is one of those nights that I kind of wish I had a fire to side chat by. Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I think we have one more episode before the holiday seasons kick in. And our schedules, I mean, our schedule has been pretty weird as of the last few weeks. But yeah. it will remain weird with the holidays. And hopefully we get back on track on Sundays after that. And, and who knows what we'll be talking about? Whatever. Who knows. Cool out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: See you See ya. Uh, Thanks, Dad. Fireside check.